This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Welcome back to another wonderful, fun-filled episode of Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. I am your host, Larry Charles Jr., if you really know me. And of course, had to bring him back again, the number one environment artist in the entire world. Number one podcast co-host ever in history, Brandon What's up, guys? That is correct. Everything you said before this was true. <laughs> so today we have a special guest today, Kurt Papstein. The extraordinaire character artist. Uh, more specifically, we're going to talk about his uh, career and his path to becoming a world-renowned 3D artist and digital sculptor. How are you doing, Kurt? Great, great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Hey, did you get the check we sent? You know, the money cleared, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about that. Um... <laughs> All right, we'll talk about it after the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Good to have you, Kurt. Thanks for coming. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks for having me on. This is... Um... Like I was saying before we started, um, this is like the first live interview that I've done. Like it's always been just like on paper kind of thing. So this is really cool. Yeah, man. It's it's not like being in a 3D magazine. This is like on your toes. We might ask you something that you're not prepared for, man. <laughs> I know. I'm I, I'm a little nervous, but <laughs> well, easy right in for your first time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> Things like, what, what's your favorite candy? Where'd, what'd you do this weekend? So what's your favorite color shirt? What is your favorite color? Uh, I guess black. I have a lot of black t-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> True artist right there. Way to go, Kurt. That's a good answer right there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, surprisingly enough, Kurt, Larry, and I both go way back into college. We went all uh, to college together, and uh, Kurt just skyrocketed since then. He's just gotten crazy, world famous. Uh, you know, everybody's always asking me to go to these conventions, these talks, these live demonstrations. Like, how 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 did you first get into that? Like, what, what are you doing? Uh, well, I'm I'm smiling ear to ear because like uh, it's it's cool to hear you guys say that because yeah, we do we do go back and the AI days. Um, like we were all working in the same lab and everything and so on my my first big talk that I did I was invited um by Pixelogic and I kind of owe everything to them because like if I didn't have the tools that they made like with ZBrush I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing um and I think that's when I kind of found what I wanted to do and like my focus came in like you know like I was I was excited in general to get into the game industry but it wasn't like I had that last 10% figured out of like what do I really want to do and then you realize like that last 10% becomes like that the 100% you know what I'm saying like it just suddenly becomes everything so I mean um I guess to to sum up like how I got to that point where I started getting the invites I became that guy that doesn't turn things down so like when something came up and there, it was kind of like, you know, for the for the publicity type stuff. Um, I did those things. And then once I was in with certain people and like made those, it's networking, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. like when you do a job interview, if you get the job or not, like 
you you've made connections while you're there you know so when i made those connections i found out like if you show that you're eager and I'll, you know because like i would go and i'd say like hey if you guys are doing this again like hit me up like this was fun because it was genuine right like it, it is a lot of fun because then you end up meeting people and and you realize it's like a really small industry and it's a really small world like outside of just game the game industry like everything's really interconnected once they see that eagerness they're like sweet for sure we're always looking for people and they're i was surprised to hear that it's actually really difficult for some of these like like publications like magazines to actually right. get people to do tutorials and stuff so when they see that you're a go-to guy then they take advantage of that eagerness and they're always you know if you've delivered before then they'll hit you up again and again kind of thing so that's that's how the snowball kind of took off i guess but i got my start like really to go back is like in the forums like just posting a lot of stuff that i enjoyed doing and then that went forward i guess so you started in forums you posted your work you know you got a little bit of like likes and publicity from there did any of that directly lead you to a contact like some of your forum work i see yeah no it so everything kind of came knocking you know what i mean so i i was not expected or, or like i wasn't expecting it i should say like it, it came pretty fast. All I would say, like in t end of 2011, everything hit, and that was like, and I had like one of those moments, like what, like I don't understand what's going on because I'm I'm not like intentionally chasing something yet, yeah. yeah, and and I still kind of feel that way, like not to not to jump too far ahead, I guess, but like when it comes to branding, right, I don't know really what my brand is still, okay. like I know other artists, like I guess in comparison, other artists like they figured it out and they had a plan from the beginning and I don't feel like I had a plan mm -hmm. and I'm still trying to figure out what, what the flavor is. You know what I mean? I like when I did my first talk with pixel logic at the Nomon like workshop center and stuff for their uh, ZBrush, the their ZBrush get togethers. Right. It was, oh, it was before they did summit. the ZBrush. It, it was, it was before the summit. It was when they had like, it was a little bit smaller. It was more humble right. and it was like an afternoon and I it see. wasn't broadcasted. And then, and then it got bigger and bigger. But like when I went to that, that was when I had like my first big celebrity moment when I met uh, Rick Baker. Oh, nice. Right, nice. Yeah, and and uh, apparently he recognized my stuff from the forums, and I'm like, how? I didn't even know you were on the forums. Nice. Like, exactly. It was, it was such a crazy moment, and I'm and uh, I get on stage to do my little my little like 45 minute demo, and he's like right in the front row. Mm. And that's when like the nerves really hit, yeah. and that was one of those moments where I'm like, okay, I've like I need to I guess take what I'm doing a little bit more seriously in a way, and like you know what I mean? It's like okay, I got I got people's attention. What am I going to do with it? It was it was a huge it was a huge thing, and I was really I was so, really stoked. You, you mentioned that this was happening around 2011 is when it started to really snowball, or was it a little before that? Yeah, it was around then. Like. I got featured on the forums, like ZBrush Central forums. Where were you, like career-wise, at, at that time? I was still. At, I was at the the end of my uh, my first job. So, first job. so yeah, about how many years in the industry uh, were you? About about four. Four years so, in the industry, and you yeah, just, yeah, that's great now. Yeah, so about four years in, and um, you know, through that period, like. I started doing, um, like, during those four years, like, I was doing hour-long, uh, like, sketches or warm-ups, 
And uh, part of it was frustration with the job too. Like I wasn't yeah. making what I wanted to make. Being being a lot younger than yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem that far ago, but you know, looking back, it's like man, I was kind of ignorant. And like antsy, I was like super antsy and like I, I wanted to make the things I wanted to make. And I think a lot of junior artists coming in are like that too. I want to make the game of my dreams. And it's like, whoa, slow down, son. You just, <laughs> you just showed up. So that's what my lunches were. And like yeah. I'd, get in, I'd get in early and do those sketches and just post constantly. And then it, it eventually got better so that I wasn't just posting art that I, that showed improvement but like i was also starting to share more like with how to's like how i do things and the forum moderators really like that stuff because i mean you're essentially promoting their tools you're right. you're advertising for them that's how i think i got like mainly connected was because i was at the same time when i got featured i started teaching like professionally like like that that kind of fell into my lap as well and i was helping a buddy out to um, take the class and take over with his class and I've been teaching that ever since so then it's just kind of become like a hand-in-hand -hand thing you know it's like they both fuel each other in a way right so let me ask you this uh, yeah. you've accomplished many things in your career thus far and you know you're still a young guy you got a long way to go my friend but <laughs> at this point what would you say has been your best accomplishment you know personally oh man that is a really big question <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure how to, to answer that. Cause like, I, I keep having those moments where I'm like, man, this is it. I peaked, you know what I mean? Like, and then I'll have another thing that I'm chasing. Um, I think the, the biggest moment wasn't anything public or anything that had to do with, you know, any publicity type stuff. It was when I got an email from bad robot and the VFX soup there was like, JJ likes your stuff. You got a recommendation. Wait, JJ likes your stuff. Yeah, BJJ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, they're just uh, they're on a first name basis here, Larry. <laughs> first name basis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So JJ Abrams, uh, director of Star Wars, and I mean, Star yeah, just yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It's like you can kind yeah, of just stop there. at Star Wars. <laughs> That's it. That's all you need. Right. But like, man, I was, I was, I called them up right away. Like, you know, I just stepped out of work and it was like, is, did you got the right guy? You yeah, know, like, yeah. what, what website were you looking at? <laughs> right. <laughs> so when I when I got that call and I had those conversations, I mean, I, I was so eager. Like, I just I kind of dropped everything I was doing for that for that moment. That was that was really cool. And that entire process, even though I never said a word to, to JJ, like we never actually talked because I worked with a different director. We said hi. I guess that counts. He walked by and looked over my shoulder. He's like, cool. Kept going. <laughs> like, like, that's all I need. That is yeah. all I need. Like, try to, trying to sneak a selfie at the studio. <laughs> He's just not working out. I heard you're not supposed to look him directly in the eyes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's, He's got the Lucas element, yeah, the yeah. George Lucas element. <laughs> no, he was really, he was really cool. Like, I mean, I was able to overhear a lot of conversations when I was there. Like, they'd fly me down to do, like, on-site wow. days. Yeah. Dude, I felt... It was insane. Like, I've never had that before. And it's like, dude, I'm just making, like, goofy-looking monsters and sculpting. But, I, you know, for the sake of speeding up and everything like I, I got the i got the point of why they were why they were doing it it's like it's cheap it's cheaper just to fly you down and if we connect for a day that'll save us like a week of feedback you know and it just makes sense but like still you can't help but have like star and stars in your eyes as you're like flying flying back down into la and because i thought for sure when when uh when we moved up here and we left the la area to for san francisco like i i 
was really worried like I would lose a lot of those connections because it's hard to get people to, to come in and then it's, you know, you want to look for local talent if you can or, or you would think that these these places would. When was the moment where you knew like, yo, I'm actually, I'm pretty damn good at this. Like, this is, this is good. Like, did you yourself <laughs> realize that or was it enough people told you that you were really good? And that's when you knew like, okay, I can, I can do this as my career. I finally found my niche or my thing. Right. I think um, th- there was one one element that was really driving me early on was that I, I didn't want to go back home to just take on any job or do just anything. Um, so that's why I was super focused on doing exactly what I liked, even if I was being told in the beginning that I wasn't going to make it. Um, I focused on those things. And over time, I was I was getting that feedback, like, yeah, this is what we like, or, you know, yes, what you're doing is, you know, what, what people like. And, and when I got that kind of feedback, I started gaining a little bit more confidence. I still, I still don't feel like I've mastered anything yet, and I don't feel like what I'm doing is super, I guess, special or stand out. Um, I've, within the last year, especially, okay, so, like, working with, with Bad Robot, they were able to pinpoint exactly what in my work that they really liked. Mm-hmm. And then I started realizing, okay, that's my thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at that point, up until that point, like I didn't really know like what my thing was or if I was really standing out, gotcha. but I was, but I was really grateful for any attention that was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, like there was a couple things that you were mentioning that was really cool. And uh, I wanted to point it out, like your eagerness going in the industry has always been there. And that for me has like, was the standout where, where it kind of broke you out of the mold where, where outside of work you were constantly being active in the forums, which eventually got you noticed enough to, to have these opportunities. Like mm-hmm. what would your advice be when new to st- students come in? And there is the kind of like, let's hold down, like, hold on, don't go too crazy. You're kind of new, earn your stripes, kid. But mm-hmm. at the same time, what kind of thing that you're going to say to keep that drive? Like, what kind of advice do you have from outside of work with this whole new new job prospect and at the same time just wondering, what else can I do uh, right. to myself? Um, yeah, so like, like what I was saying earlier, like I wasn't fully satisfied at work with what I was making. So that's why like I needed to do more when I got home. It kind of, it kind of became like more of a lifestyle in a way where it's like, this is all I'm doing. And I've told my students, like it, it needs to become that at some point. It's kind of like the, uh, the, the spiel that uh, Alan Emmerich gave us, right? Yeah. Like you, you got, you can choose three things, right? And there's only enough time in life for like, I, I'm butchering it. Cause <laughs> <laughs> he said something wrong. It says there's three things you can do. You can make games, you can play games and you can have, have a social life. life. But you can only pick two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I feel like that's really true. Like, it's not like I listened to that and was like, okay, I'm not going to question it. And that's all that there is to it. Like, I tried to do all three and it, like, one always fell apart. I think the thing that falls apart the most frequently is, like, sleep schedule. Well, let's touch um, on that. Like, that's probably the, the hardest thing after spending an eight hour day. Like, how, how did you push yourself through those times where, like, man, I am so freaking tired? But I got to put in the time to actually get myself from this spot to somewhere I want to be. Like, how, right. how did you get through those harsh moments? Um, I, I think deadlines, not just personal deadlines, but like by signing up for things and right. saying, you know, yeah, I can write this tutorial. When do you need it by? And they're like, in two weeks, we need it. You're like, okay, that's. So dependabilities and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So holding yourself accountable, not just 
yeah, personally, but yeah, when people are waiting on you, it you don't want to write that email that says, "Hey, sorry, work got busy," you know. Right. And because um, in and early on, I was like, "Man, this is my shot!" Like you know, like my first tutorial that I wrote for like three D artist or something. I'm like, "Man, I don't blow this because then they're not gonna not gonna call you back. They're not gonna recommend you to any anybody else." There was pressure, and like I think bad sleeping habits from video game playing earlier on carried over when I needed to switch gears and do art. So I just I naturally get a lot of energy at night i don't sleep very much <laughs> a lot of caffeine insomnia helps you for this yeah yeah so i don't want to encourage any of these things because it's bad but it's like my poor choices have worked out yeah like i've taken advantage <laughs> of my poor choices um don't and sleep I, and you can work with jj <laughs> yeah yeah and it's funny because like one thing leads to another and each thing that you take on as you're advancing gets harder and harder yeah. So there's no way I could have done the stuff that I did for JJ like even just a year ago. I would I would have been kind of lost and panicking. And it's funny how like you know each thing builds and from the beginning poor sleeping habits, staying up late playing video games, and then suddenly you have this deadline. It's like oh I can't play that. I can't play WoW tonight. I have to do this thing. Right. I have to sculpt or something. Before you know it, like I don't have a WoW subscription anymore. I miss yeah. it, but I'm doing I'm doing other things. Like but... that's <laughs> yeah, right exactly. right. And that really is like like our main audience for this podcast are like AAA developers who are trying to find the time to mm. get off of that corporate type of lifestyle. And one of the biggest things that I really, really want to push is that at some point you got to really look at your schedule and start seeing that unless you do it now, there won't be time later. Like at some right. point you got to make a decision like, am I, I, I'd rather not sleep tonight and work towards that goal or just keep continuing this type of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So I, I I would say lately for me I've I've been the opposite I've been kind of lazy I finally got an Xbox One I just after <laughs> like once I got up on life yeah a little bit so like it fluctuates for me it's not just constant go 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 I get lazy and and it kind of sucks you but know dude, like, you deserve it look, look at how far you've gone you've got a level one hundred ZBrush account now you're just balancing <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> You're that's back, yeah. I try to tell myself too. So, like, it was we just finished the summer break, we, you know, uh, at school, and like we're in the, a new semester for for the coming year and everything. And but during the summer break, I was like, man, I I really should be getting back to some of those projects and things I was planning. And then there's that other voice. It's like hey, it's summer break, like it's cool, right? But then there's that that realization, like, well, the school year is starting. You're not going to have time anymore. Like this is the only time to do it, so that that motivating voice needs to stay there. That's that I think was the big drive during those four years at my first gig, where I was like, I'm running out of time. Like I'm either yeah. gonna stay here, or I'm gonna get you know who knows what's gonna happen when we ship. Like I had all these questions. Like this isn't looking very good. Like I need to get ready if I want something better. Then now's now's when I should be doing it. You know, because and, and I'm having those those talks with myself now where I'm like, uh, there's projects I'm trying to get out the door. You know, people have asked like, Hey, how's that thing coming along? And I'm like, it's slow. <laughs> it, it's slow. Not because of the people that I'm working with. It's me. Like I'm my own problem right now. Like I need to kick, kick it into gear. You, you know, are quite the professional to tell yeah. the truth and say it's you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, uh, I, you know, it's like, I decided this year I, I've, I've watched baseball 
but like I, ne- I, I never watched football too much. And this year I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch the 49ers. Let's see how they do. And so uh, I had that realization today. I'm like, you know what? They're not doing very well and I'm not doing very well. I'm just going to go ahead and get back to work because <laughs> it's more beneficial to me than watching. Giants aren't going on to the postseason. 49ers aren't going anywhere right now. I'm just going to go sculpt. Yeah, you know, it's like you, you have those moments where you're like, what am I doing? Like I should be working right now. And you know, it's hard. It's really, really hard when, when you work an eight plus hour day and you stared at a screen. Like it's not just mentally hard, but like physically, like your eyes are tired, you got a headache at the end of the day. Yeah. We shouldn't we shouldn't look at a screen as much as we do. Okay, so Kurt, you've done humans, you've done hard surface, you've done organic, you've done bipedal, and then you've made up a whole bunch of creatures that have multiple, multiple digits and limbs. Uh, what is your absolute favorite thing to model in ZBrush? What do you find yourself most commonly, you know, exploring? Who do people know you as? Like who? who, who do yeah, I I think, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is aliens. It's it's kind of what got me the like a lot of the work that that's come in, and it's also the thing that the students kind of joke with me about. They're like, "Oh, look, he's making another alien for a demo." <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's easy. Like we're not sculpting people right now. This is going to be too much, you know. Yeah. But it's just something that in my sketchbook or in ZBrush, like no matter what I'm doing, like it's kind of it's one of those go to visual library things, you know, it's like a muscle reflex. Like I'll just I don't know what to do. I'll I'll doodle this kind of thing. Do you Uh, find something like that is important when you're branding yourself to really latch on to a certain genre and really kill it so that you're known as that guy? Right. Right. Um, that's something I've been questioning forever now. Like, I look at my work and I'm like, is that is that what I want to always do? Or is that what I should always deliver? Because that's what people expect. How do I base what I'm selling or, like, my product or brand or whatever? Like, is, is that what I want to get stuck with? Like, what if I want to do something different? And then how is that going to affect things later? You know what I mean? It's like, as I think a lot of artists just want to be, they want to be free spirited and do whatever comes natural or whatever they feel like, and they'll shift gears whenever. And and you see it like with uh, musicians too. And like I really sympathize when an album comes out and you're like, man, this isn't what I expected. If they could just go back to album one, that'd be great. Right. <laughs> Doctor Drake. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, bless you, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> I w- I was excited for Dre's album, but then Nah, man. Oh, I was. Like, yeah, I yeah. Was like, oh, yes, a new Doctor Dre album. It's right. Not, you know, the 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 next chronic, or it's not Detox, but it's the Compton album. Okay, and I put it in. I was like, ah, right. And and like that's the thing. I mean, like, is it? Was there an expectation that we weren't even aware we had? Because like I looked at it and I was like, "Sweet, like I'm open for whatever he's gonna drop." And then when I heard it, I'm like, "I'm not, I'm not feeling this. I don't, I don't know why." Here's how I'll tie it back into you and this podcast to make okay. It. <laughs> to me, Dr. Dre has a signature, and it's not so much a limit. Like I don't expect Dre to stay inside this box, but I definitely expect like his signature. And to me, his signature mm. is that West Coast synth, you know, that melodic progression. Uh, of chords and melody and and at least hearing that with some incredible drums right those are things that like, mm-hmm. that he would at least continue through and i didn't find that on that album so right now tying that into you it's that's kind of like why i ask what's your favorite thing to do because i kind of feel like maybe you excel 10 times better when you're like this is my rhythm this is my flow this is where i'm just like 
the beast. You know what I mean? Mm, right, right. Okay, so in that case, I think that I can pinpoint it a little bit better. So rather than it, like I feel, rather than it being a genre or a subject matter, there's like an aesthetic language behind everything. I've been able to pinpoint a little bit more. Like I said, after talking um, with the Bad Robot guys, like the VFX soup, he's like, this is exactly what you do. And you don't, like, that's that's all we need from you. Like, make more of that. I'm like, oh, okay. And, you know, it'd be like, if, if you said all that to Dre, it's like, dude, where's all this? He's like, oh, man, you're right. <laughs> like, yeah. why, why didn't I do that? If I said all that to Dre, he'd be like, all right, hold on one second. <laughs> <laughs> but, <Say it> again. <laughs> right, right. But I think, like, one of my, one of my signatures or traits is um, I tend to make limbs a little bit longer than they should be, especially the legs. I tend to, like, make hips bigger. I bring shoulders in. And I, I mean, I guess androgyny is the, the main word. Like, everything gets a little androgynous. But that's when I'm doing, like, personal stuff. And it's, okay. it's this level of, like, creepiness mixed with, like, uh, uh, you know, a, a very feminine feel mixed with all these different things and it's like a level of uncomfortableness or whatever honestly like I'll, I'll push some of that sometimes and i don't realize that i am until someone makes a comment and they're like uh their arms look weird I'm like oh oh yeah i'm doing that thing again and i gotta fix it or whatever you know so i think that that's been my thing mm-hmm. and that's that's an aesthetic in a language that you can bring into any subject matter and genre and be like oh that's so-and-so's work yeah. right like you look at a painter, like for example, like I, I, I worship like Ashley Wood's art. Like I love his stuff. Uh, comic book artist. He paints like with the same tones and the same brushwork and, and everything, but he'll range from like World War Two sci-fi to pinups. And you know, even though it's like one's super stylized and and simplified, and another one's more graphic and and or detailed or whatever you know who it's from instantly. Like nobody can use that palette. Nobody can paint like that without someone else saying hey are you looking at ashley wood stuff you know it's like it's right. that it's that iconic voice that that artist has that is obvious and since i've kind of been more aware of like what i do i'm seeing my stuff now more in like my students work or like people yeah. online and i've actually i've actually seen other people call out artists that are learning and say hey that looks like you know kurt's work did you ask permission? And I'm like, oh no, like don't, don't go down that road. Like Kurt told me to tell you. <laughs> yeah, like no, this person no, does not I've, represent me. There's a lot of yeah credence to what you're saying, man. Like I, I I'm starting to see stuff that is very uh, your signature, um, at least among uh, certain people. And I just find out that they're your students or it's your classmates. Right, right. It's, it's great, man. It's awesome stuff. Like I love it. Yeah, yeah it, it's a it's a really cool feeling to to see that they absorb that yeah. and um and they're and you know many of them are making it their own like they're doing their thing with it and that's what's kind of cool too just like to see that pass on and become something else yeah. your mini armies yeah 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 <laughs> is there one tool in zbrush that you feel like you just couldn't do it if they removed it like it'd be game over for you uh, yeah i i there were ways we we worked before without dynamesh but if they were to take it out yeah if they were to take it out now, it would be real frustrating because, you know, it's like ignorance is bliss, right? Before you knew what was there, what could have been there, you worked with it, you dealt with it. But if they pulled that out, speed would, the industry would slow down tremendously. Like, yeah, it's, it's sped a lot of things up and it's allowed for a lot of 
the fidelity you see in character art to be where it's at. I mean, it was there before for sure, but I mean, I mean, back then, like when we graduated, I think the average character time that I remember hearing was one to two months, and at some studios it was upwards to four months in production uh-huh. time. Well, and if you look at it like next gen characters back then, it's like how many characters were really in Gears of War? Right. How many main characters? We had like four and they worked on that for like, what, three years? Yeah. yeah. Like it's a huge amount of work. And nowadays, like, like I can say like where I'm at now, like I'm working at a mobile studio now and they want that for tablets and stuff, you know, and it's like they're they're not the only ones doing it like mobile in my and from what I'm seeing, mobile is going to go in that direction oh, man. and it's catching up. So they're wanting that. But, you know, mobile timeline is like okay, we're going to be ready to ship in December, you know, and it's October, you know what I mean? And it's like, okay, without the tools we have now, there's no way that we would be able to hit those tight deadlines. Uh, You know, back then there wasn't as much, I think, um, awareness too, as to what goes into things. And now it's, it's a little bit easier to find this stuff out and, and expectations have gotten faster and faster and faster. And artists have, because it's a really competitive industry. So it gets to, it gets to this point where it's like, you got two weeks to make an asset. If you go beyond that, like you're bleeding the company at this point. ZBrush is one of those tools, man. Like without it, we'd we'd be taking that much time. It would take forever to get this stuff done. And the next thing I want to say is, you touched on uh, mobile companies, you know, wanting to get parity with console level stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually on board the train thinking that mobile is going to surpass. And here, here's why I say this: every year we get major mobile hardware updates. Every single mm-hmm. year consoles we get them every on average six and a half years seven years now it feels like right so imagine where the iphone is going to be in let's see ps4 has been out like two years now so give five more years to the iphone you know right right well dude just with um just like as consumers all of us at, at at my studio were like thrilled to see the ipad pro we're like wow that's crazy huge screen that's gonna be fun yeah. you know and artists were like, man, what am I going to do with that? Like, is that going to work in? Yeah. And then when we all got really serious about it, we're like, we're not really developing for that resolution. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. that's huge, you know? And, like, no one saw that coming. And you, it's it's really scary to keep up with how fast mobile hardware is moving. Yeah. Where, yeah, and, like, so it raised a big question where we're like, so in a year from now when you know, an Android device hits that, like, what are we going to do? Are we going to develop okay. for that as well? Like, that's a whole other operating system that we're trying to fit in. And then, yeah, it's just one thing after another. And it's like, man, the, the, you almost need to, to slow down, but the industry is not going to slow down. The market's not going to slow down, right? Like, T-Mobile has its new, like, forever, iPhone forever plan. It's like whenever yeah. there's a new one, you can just you instantly just get... it up. Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, oh man, that's tempting. <laughs> what's What's funny about this problem is like, it's the PC problem. So the PC problem is that mm. the highest specs are always being released every five months, and so that's why they create a console so that there's like a stable five year that the developers can use to to rely on on hardware to build their games. And now we're coming back to mobile, free introduced, pre exactly. I never thought of it like that, but yeah, that that's totally true. And like, it's. Yeah. I mean, a lot of developers are developing with like four four years in mind, right? Like right. develop. Well, I mean, meaning like develop four four years into the past. Like so, 
even though the iPad Pro is out or will be out next month, and and all and all the other uh, all the other hardware, it's like uh, we're developing for the iPad Four, yeah. you know, which is like a huge jump backwards. But right, so it's like mobile's almost becoming like PC developers, and that's becoming the norm, yeah. where you're developing for top end, but you're yeah. also creating for for the low end. Where on a, con- a console development, it's like okay, here's the Xbox. Yeah, we, we got it. this for like three or four years, and then we'll probably have another generation after that that won't be that big of a difference. Yeah, but a graphics update. So, yeah, yeah it's... I would say yeah, I would say the biggest balancing out of this whole mess is that your grandma would be buying the iPhone next year. Like the consumer market for the <laughs> mobile is way bigger than PC was ever. You know, oh yeah, the high specs. So that kind of balances out. Where yeah, if you buy your uh, make your game now, sure the, the new specs are going to be out in five months, but at least they'll be waiting customers. <laughs> oh oh yeah oh yeah. There's no there's no question that people are going to have a phone, right? Like, yep. I mean, Nintendo's struggling because they didn't sell enough Wii's, and then no one really jumped on the Wii U. The 3DS is also kind of like, eh. I mean, I. I I usually get the new consoles and stuff, but yeah. that's a that's a like it's a small amount. Like it's a minority of the market. Yeah, it's like I I, I question it. Like I don't play mobile too much, but since yep. I started looking at things, I'm like, you know what? There's actually a lot of really good games on here. I just never gave it the time because yeah. I'm not used. To, it's not what I ever enjoyed. Yeah. And think about that generational divide, right? Like right. as early back as I can remember, I had either Atari, Nintendo, and it just went on from there. So console and device, like handheld, is it's just, I, I know it, I understand it, I believe in it, right? Right. Now, we look at the kids coming up today, let's say five years ago, six years ago, like when first iPhones are coming out, you know, iPhone was like Game Boy for them, you know? Right, right, exactly. So the, the idea of console or PC computer for gaming is just perplexing because it's like, what? I, I've got this phone and I've got games on the phone and they're only a dollar. Yeah. Why am I going to pay $50 for your game when I can right. pay a dollar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And you see a generation of developers, too, that don't understand that, yeah. right? They're like, oh, I guess a good example is like I, I recently started, like tonight actually, playing the... Uh, the the gears remastered gears of war remastered yeah it looks good brought some memories back too and um i saw that it had like a store button and then i go in there and it's like there's all these like skins and then there's character skins that you only could have got if you pre-ordered it at gamestop or possibly target or yeah you know what i mean it's all broken up and it's like not there's like this group of developers that don't get what microtransactions are how right. how this works and it's just confusing and frustrating for everybody yeah it's the old developers trying to to mold Try- their, their model into the new one without actually reinventing. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. Like I wanna I wanna I want a piece of the microtransaction pie, but I also want to charge sixty dollars. So yeah. yeah. Alright. So this yeah. kind of sex way, we kinda have an idea of how you feel, but like like what is your opinion on the state of the industry? Like AAA, you work at AAA companies, you work at mobile, mm-hmm. you're doing stuff on the side within the industry. Like what is your whole view as far as where we're headed, where we are? What worries you've had and frustrations mm. you had with the industry before moving on to uh, to your own thing? I think that everything is going to be going mobile more and more. Um, I, I hate to say it, but I do think that consoles are going to eventually peter out and just disappear. Maybe not in maybe not entirely and not all at once. But I I mean, you're already getting like wind of it from Nintendo, right? right. When when a long term console developer says, you know what? I think we're going to go mobile. Not with another DS, but we're going to make an app. 
like whoa that's huge yeah and then like you know what the wii u is not doing too well we accept like or, or we take that responsibility we need to rethink some stuff like i would not be surprised if we see a nintendo app pretty soon and everything's just oh i agree done that and then especially with their partnership with apple with uh apple tv i'm like that'd be great i'm i like my apple tv that's fine put Nintendo on it. I don't need to have another thing in the cabinet, you know, and drop another $400 for a thing that does the same, you same mean game developers going back to making games and not <laughs> hardware. What is this? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like a, that's, that's a really good point. Like I, I've, I've always kind of grown up viewing that as one in the same. It's like, well, you have to make the hardware in order for the, for the game to get played. Right. But I mean, I've never worked on that side of it. I don't know what that's like, but yeah, just like just focusing on a game and letting another company that's pro at that at, at distribution and hardware, which Apple is, and you know Amazon's starting to dip into it too. It's like just let them take that overhead, mm-hmm. just crank out material, right? The last company <laughs> I can think of that did that was Sega. Right, right. Where are they now? But they're still promoting Sonic. You're still seeing Sonic in a lot of stuff. Uh, Sonic yeah. recently had a game come out, like a major hit and release. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, I don't think that it would be, it, in this climate, I don't think it would be a bad move for Nintendo to do something like that. I think that yeah. they would be jumping to the right ship, honestly. Their right. hardware was holding their games back. Like, a lot of people love Nintendo games, but, but wouldn't buy the Wii U. So. Right, right. And, like, and for third-party developers, like, forget about it. Like, yeah. It was it was, nice. it was so difficult to work with them to understand like how lighting works and how their materials work, and then you see them crank out a game. It's like, oh, well, of course, internally, you guys know your limitations, and you can make something look great. Yeah. No one else can. Yeah, and if you want to support Nintendo and PlayStation and Xbox, you're looking at oh, it's okay to like kind of do PlayStation Xbox, right? Like you can. Right. There's a little more parity between the two. Versus, oh, now we're trying to make a build for a system that doesn't have anywhere near the same specs as the other system. Right, it's right. Like making a whole different game. Well, then the game itself suffers because you're typically, I mean, it's never the goal starting out, but what in my experience happens is you develop for the weakest console. Yeah, right. You know, like the artists are making things at, at high res and everything. Like it could be at, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the best console stats are, but... It, it, there's so much that's dependent on you know like frame rate and you know just on the engineering side like everything needs to run smoothly and you develop for the slowest kind of uh, and that's comes down to like a scheduling thing too right like oh, we don't have enough time to to make all of them look great in their own way and develop three unique titles mm-hmm. so you get kind of screwed on that so bringing it back to zbrush <laughs> <laughs> I got a great question for you right now. Actually, it's a perfect segue question. Okay. So, which one do you prefer working for as your target? The high-end fidelity on a PlayStation Xbox or, you know, the not necessarily lower end, but, you know, the more refined, the more focused uh, delivery for mobile content? Right. Um, Definitely the high-end stuff. Okay. Because I... There's a certain point in the process that slows way down. And you have to make things, like you said, like very clean, very efficient. It has to run on this, on these specs, and it has to look good. Like I do, I do that at my work now. And the other thing that I do that I actually enjoy more is making marketing material. Mm. All right. And no limits. Right, and no limits at all. Like it's a ZBrush. Do a high res render in KeyShot. 
render out a, a you know a PSD layer, and then that's something that can be used by the team in many ways. It's not just you know marketing material, but on mobile you might do something that's a little bit more unique, like 2D animations or whatever. So I really like that side of it, um, just because for me it's faster. And you know I'm, I work with people that are the opposite and they're like, man, like it, like it's kind of viewed as like a waste, right? Okay. Like, man, for the game, you don't need to put all that into it. They really like just doing like a hand painted texture on something small, like, right. you know, getting crafty with how they make normal maps and seeing the turnaround time with animation just yeah. super quick. Yeah. And I mean, you're, you're more in love with the creative process than the technical constraints. Right, 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 exactly. It's like I, I'm having more fun right now setting the tone mm-hmm. and spending like half my day kind of backseat directing and getting other artists on on the right. same page and setting those milestone pieces mm-hmm. that that set the tone for what we're doing. That's what I'm enjoying more. And I didn't think I would as much, but like as soon as I started doing it, I'm like, okay, this is what I want to keep doing. Mm-hmm. Like oh, this yeah. is this is great. Do you still get the chance to do uh, commission work? Uh, yeah, yeah, if it fits in with what I'm doing. So, or, you know, like time-wise and stuff. That's always the biggest issue. Like, I can always, I feel like I can always make time. It's just, does that work for them, right? Um, so recently, I had another big win that was like, I feel like I can put that on my on my trophy shelf or whatever. But I had, yeah. I had ILM contact me uh-huh. and... Yeah, I was super excited. They're like, we we want like a creature guy, and I said, well, I'm in the neighborhood, but yeah. you know, is this something that's off site? Is it on you know in house? And they're like, well, we prefer actually in house, but it's like a two to three week contract. I'm like, <laughs> right. That was kind of my reaction. I'm like, I I'm sorry. Like, it's really the hurts bum, to... the homeless <laughs> contract. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so do you provide a camper out that? Like, yeah. I can just, like, live out in the parking lot somewhere for Two a while. Two weeks contract. Well, yeah. What kind of thing are they doing there? That's not even a... Hey, man, yeah. Let's not laugh, because, like, they might hear this and be like, all right, well, shit. <laughs> I just want to know how people, like, live with that, you know? This right. No, they, they were very they were very understanding. I said, um, yeah. you know, that's that's a really short amount of time. And, and she kind of, like, you know, cringed over the phone. She's like, I know. Um <laughs> Why are you pitching me to this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of the state of the film industry. And it's almost all going like freelance in a way. And that's why it was cool working with Bad Robot because they understood that they pitched the same thing to me. And they're like, it's about a three-week job. It ended up being six months. you know. But when they start it, they think that it's going to be this tiny thing. And you should be able to nail it in a few weeks, right? Well, directors have ideas and things change and... So that's the other thing that I was told is like it could become much bigger and more long term, but we can't promise anything. So would you be willing to make that jump knowing that it's this short term thing? Um, you know, of course, I was like, man, if you got in touch with me like seven months ago when I was unemployed and like in between like freelancing gigs, yeah, I'd have been all over it. But and they were really understanding of it and they were really excited to know like I'm in the area and they're like well are you cool with like weekend things or freelance even though you've got work now and I was like yeah and so is the studio like who I'm working for they want me to keep doing movie stuff because they think that it's beneficial so and it's not you know it's not competitive so yeah um 
yeah, I'm still I'm still taking that kind of stuff on. I would and like I said, I was just super happy that I got a call from them, yeah. and I was like, that's a win. Like whether or not I'm working for them, that's another thing. Like maybe in the future, but for now, I'm I'm very happy to put that like feather in my hat or whatever. All right, we're gonna take a little commercial break because there's some bills that need to be paid. Baby's got to get fed. Um, everyone get some water. Crack your knuckles. Stretch your back. We'll be right back. Learn some hard surface modeling tips from Brandon Thorne. For only $5, you will get over an hour and 45 minutes of video lecture. He will walk you through the process of making his mech helmet using the latest tips and tricks in ZBrush. Not only that, he shows you how to bring that final model into key shot to push out a beautiful render. It's available now at gameschoolonline.com forward slash Brandon Fan. Go get it. Okay, and we're back. Ah, back's nice and stretched. We're ready to go for another 15 minutes. Uh, we got Kurt Papstein in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. Also, we have Brandon Pham and the yep. only Larry Charles. Uh, I totally cut you out. Go ahead. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Uh, so, uh, Kurt, uh, so what is the number one question that people ask you uh, while you're doing all this stuff? I, I get asked the most how to not just break into the industry, but um, how to get like get out of the industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how do I get, how do I leave? How do I still pay my bills and not do this? No, it, it, it's more like the bigger picture that a lot of artists have, which is what I what I've kind of focused on and I'm still focusing on is like how do I keep the spotlight or get the spotlight on me? So you have that independence right whether it be like for your own personal project to get more freelance or to just just have more of like a pedestal to stand on so you're not always with on with one option you know and uh the main thing that it's really cliche to say it but the main thing i always say is like you have to put your art out there and it has to be what people want Right. right and that's the hard part is creating what people want without getting wrapped up in creating things that you think people want right like because i catch myself all the time like asking myself well what what would be good to make right now or what what do i think people would like and that's the wrong direction to go in it's the right direction it's also the wrong direction right so you're always chasing Right, right. And it's a really unhealthy way to go because you're not doing anything for you anymore. You're doing things for the wrong reasons. You're trying to get likes or you're trying to get popular. That should always be in the back of your mind. Like if you want that independence, it's kind of like the ugly side of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like it'd be great if you just make whatever you want and just checks came in. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, wait, stop the podcast. You're not going to tell us this? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, just just keep making stuff and just check the mail. It'll the checks will be there or direct yeah, yeah, deposit. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's more like be true like, to yourself. Uh, yeah, be true to what you want to do, but at the same time, don't ignore the feedback or lack right. of feedback. Right. So, like, I was posting stuff, and and I still do this. Like, I'll post something, and I think I'm really jazzed about it. Like, I'm like, this is awesome. I'm I'm having a lot of fun with it, and. I check the next day, like see if there's any reaction because that's how I gauge if I'm relevant. It's not so much like, did I make something that's getting me popular or famous or whatever, but am I relevant? Like, am I making something that speaks to other people anymore or am I just really in my own bubble? And when I see that there's no feedback, you got to like really reflect like, okay, well, what time did I post it? Oh, it was three in the morning. Nobody in my usual time zone that looks at this stuff is even up. Right. So I make those kinds of mistakes. 
Um, it's the social media strategy, right? Even if you're not posting to social media, it's like, you know, who you do need to keep a little bit of your audience in mind. Like, so as a pro tip, I would say like right before lunch is a great time to post and around four o'clock. Cause that's when people get, get a little tired and they'll look at the forums and stuff. Those are good times. Okay. Are there um, certain days that you find are, are better than others? I try to avoid the weekends cause weekends people are, are busy. Yeah. yeah, people are doing stuff. Lives. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. usually the nine to five where people are supposedly working, where they check. That's when they're gonna look. Yep, <laughs> that's when everything is is hit. And yeah. and Twitter says different times with different statistics. Yeah. Facebook says different things. You just kind of gotta get a feel for the audience a little bit. And if you don't get any feedback, you need to factor that in. Like, well, when did I post it? Where did I post it? Did I, you know? was it a good time but you should also kind of be aware that what you made just if it's not getting likes right. people people don't like it and it's a sucky reality but like if you're not getting feedback on it like not just comments and critiques but like just nothing at all like it's a sucky part of it but you need to like reevaluate it like well what is it that i'm doing that you know, so it's like you just kind of keep stabbing in the dark and just keep poking around trying to see what gets a reaction. And that's what I was doing for a while. And then people started reacting to certain things. I noticed people reacted very well to polished art, things that are very finished or things that have a lot of life and gesture in it. Like um, look at the Shiflet brothers, for example, they, a lot of their stuff isn't very finished. It's full of energy though. And it's all like, very well sculpted, like anatomically design, all that stuff. There's a lot of aesthetics to it, like on a fine art scale. And people really react to that too. It's, it's hard. I guess uh, another way to put it too, is it's hard to get any attention if you're making another thing that's already been posted on art station or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Like, Oh look, it's another cyborg chick in a mech. <laughs> it could be done. It could be the best one made, but it's so hard to like stand out in a, in a mountain of that. I mean, I'm I'm guilty of it. Like, I'm making aliens. How many alien artists are there, right? But it's like, what what is the little thing that you're doing different? Yeah. You know, it's not that you need to reinvent the wheel or that you need to completely, um, you know, reinvent yourself or come up with uh, a new thing that's totally original. Yeah. You just you just need to remix it a little bit. You need to do your remix of it, and then it's. And then it's uh, it's new. It's new enough, right. right? I mean, that's one of the things that I love and hate about ArtStation. You go on there, it's like the best uh, forum that you can check cool art, be guaranteed every day. But at the mm -hmm. same time, you're, you're faced with that mosaic, and it kind of belittles each individual piece. Mm. In right. A way. Like, do you have any advice? If you were to post something on ArtStation, how would you get yourself in the front of uh, that many eyes uh, at the same time? Like tips to to watch out for when when you're posting that yeah so there was a, kind of a a funny post on this this art i can't remember the name of the artist but the title of the piece was clickbait yeah and and the thumbnail that they cropped in on was like a pinup and then when you clicked on it to view the full thing, it was not that at all. And it was like some some little ogre with like a fishing rod. And on the end of the pole was like this pinup that was drawn. And that's right. what the thumbnail was. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, got, got tons of likes and stuff. And it's like, well, it's a joke. Like yeah. he's like, that's typically what. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that was a unique way of doing it. But at the same time, it, it's 
poking fun at at that tactic. It's the sex sells yeah. thing, and it totally does. I I tend to try to focus on things like the color palette or the lighting because mm-hmm. that's something that's usually different. I mean, like one once uh, everybody everybody got a hold of like chromatic aberration like you just see that now on so yeah, many everywhere. concept pieces yeah and if you look up like uh mr concept art it was this joke account that was kind of poking fun at a lot of popular concept art because everyone's doing the same thing right. and these trends just come in and it's so weird how the art world now or like the 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 um, commercial art world is just so su- yeah super super trendy yeah. you know like oh that guy got popular i'm gonna do a, a ton of that yeah and it works to get work. Like I yeah. see those people get jobs and if they do it well, then they get the jobs. But, but they're then crying they, at night. Because they're they're not- yeah, right. That's what I want. I'm like, <laughs> how happy are you? And on top of that, and on top of that, like, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say like, on top of that, it's like, how long are you going to get that work? Yeah. How long is, how long is that trend going to be around before it's played out and the industry is like, eh, I don't like it. Yeah. And that's what was leading me to my next analogy is some people make the waves and some people ride them. Yeah. Right. People exactly. Dude, the way that that Anthony Jones painted AJ, mm-hmm. like his value scale and the way he applied it to like creatures and armor and things like that, he created a wave. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing a lot of people that that emulate that. Yeah. And uh, uh Dan Levusi as well, he created a wave, you know, with his pop uh pop culture, I think it was pop art. Uh, I'm butchering his series. But the way he rendered with, especially like um, his uh, Last Man Standing series, like you see that style all over the place now, and that's really cool to be that to be that trendsetter, you know. And I like I, it's got to be a great feeling. But at the same time, when you see just everybody kind of following it, I think the misconception is, well, if I do that, I'll get popular too. Yeah. Yes, that's true to an extent. But how many clients are wanting that? If they want that, they'll go to the source. Unless they're a cheap paying client, then you're going to yeah. deal with like a really not fun job. Yeah. yeah. You okay, know. So, you know, you'll get tons of exposure. I just can't pay you for this. <laughs> you'll get all those right, yeah. right. And I, I get those. And the other, the other thing too, like the, the, as a tangent to that, like the film industry is making it really hard to make movies. And I've been seeing a lot of people um just getting their ideas done now by these you know film companies like Paramount and Universal because they already made the first like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. which is huge like uh, Leviathan mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys saw that mm-hmm. it was a short that was on Vimeo of this really gigantic creature like on a Jupiter like planet and there's like these you know people on these ships and it's like whaling right, right but they, these right. things are just gigantic it was this like 15 minute short, like filled with VFX, like some of the top industry artists worked on it, paid. And none of this was kickstarted or anything. It just like this one director had to just fork over, you know, a good chunk of his life savings to get this thing made. Wow. And that's what the studios are expecting nowadays. So it kind of sucks because like you're seeing more and more of those jobs pop up. Like, well, hey, if the movie gets made, then you'll be on full time. Then the paychecks start coming. But if you just yeah. help us get this thing started... And that's hard to it's hard to figure out. Like, is that something you should do, or yeah. you well, know? Here's a question for you. Like, um, you kind of dipped your toes in pretty much all three industries. You 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 played around the movie industry. You played around in the game industry. 
uh, the AAA industry, and now you're playing around with the mobile industry. Mm-hmm. Like, at least for me, I, I'm seeing very short-term or at least short-sighted views on all these things. Like, movies are very contract-based. Like, unless you're single, uh, it's really hard to go job to job because you're you're being flied down to different studios to different locations. Right. Uh, AAA is reaching a point where console is kind of making a weird transition to mobile. Uh, you know, layoffs are ha- happening, studio closures are, you know, budgets are blowing up. So, like, it's more and more riding on a success and a hit, right? And you can't really mm-hmm. count on hits all the time. Mobile is still young, promising, but still very young. Like, still figuring out where it is, where you're not just one out of a million different apps, right? You're, you're trying mm-hmm. to stand out from the best of the best. So how do you see artists like us stand um, where three industries haven't really provided a really safe place where we can say, I'm retiring at 65 at this company? Like, I mean, There's really no place that we can really say that unless you're a full-time at ILM who's been right. there for 40 years or something. It's, uh, it's the... The sad story of the starving artist, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I think I think that's that's been true for a really long time. And yeah, I, I haven't figured mobile out yet. I don't think anybody has. And a lot of people debate whether it's in a bubble or not, and if it's yeah. going to pop and slow down. Um, I don't see it slowing down. What I see is companies tightening their their wallets up a bit. That might I th- I'm, so out of the three, I would say mobile feels the most secure to me right now. Right. Um, there's always a consumer. Yeah, always a consumer. There's a lot of money sitting at these companies. And what I've learned just through my like onboard meetings, you know, like when I when I first come on, they're like, So this is the industry you just got into since you're from AAA and movies, like you might not yeah. know this, but here's the chart. Here's yeah. console gaming, AAA development. It's this little tiny sliver down here. This is how much profit last year right. co- collectively they made. Here's us, you know, and it was like I mean, it was like comparing like a skyscraper to sea level. Yeah. You know, I was like, "Is th- are you going to go to the next slide and then we'll see the the graph for <laughs> the other one come up, or is that it?" And they're like, "No, that's it." Like, that's it's huge, you know, because yeah. I mean, you look at Xbox and its market; it's really just here. Yeah. Um, you know, and so like each one is limited to regions um, because of their success, and mobile is it's it really is global. Right. And China's a huge, huge market, like gigantic. I just, it's just, uh, the main thing I'm getting to is like a lot of these studios, successful ones, even just moderately successful ones, um, have multiple forms of revenue coming in mm-hmm. that a AAA studio doesn't. A AAA studio somehow got funding to make like a vertical slice in the beginning or some kind of quick demo to then get a publisher to invest in them and take the risk for the next three to four years. And maybe it'd be a hit. A you, yeah, be a failure. <laughs> that's a. It's true though. Like, like it's it's not like a fun thing to say, but yeah, most likely it's just going to be a turd. Yeah. And 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 after launch, like, I mean, not to say that like Metal Gear is a turd, but no one's talking about Metal Gear anymore. Yeah. Like oh. it was it was launched. There was a day. Yeah. I'm still playing it. Yeah. No one's talked about it. Like everyone's like, oh, you know why? You know why no one's talking? Can't no wait! Can't wait! There. Can't wait! No one's over there at Kojima Productions <laughs> to answer your questions. <laughs> right. No, exactly. Or like another good example is like um, uh, Okami by yeah. Clover. Yeah. Like they killed themselves making that game. They, they The company literally died making that game. 
And that's not a sustainable business. Like, and that's why you see it slowing down. Like, people aren't going to start up their new AAA studio because it's fun and lucrative and easy. Like, you know, it's like super challenging. And it has like everything has stars need to align, money needs to align, people need to be excited that aren't even going to make the thing yeah. that'll write you a check. Yeah. And mobile, like what I've seen is they've really worked from the ground up on little things that are not terribly exciting people find use for or enjoy in a little way and every dollar counts yeah and then you're seeing them get to this point now and this is what i'm seeing is like they have play money they have yeah. money to invest and like do crazy stuff with for long yeah. periods of time and that's not dipping into the savings right like that's playing with like disposable regular revenue yeah yeah and that's nuts like the amount of money that they're talking about is just nuts yeah. And so I feel like that's you, you see film is a race to the bottom. It's trying right. to kill itself and it doesn't know it. Yeah. You have AAA which is on life support. Yeah. And you hope you hope those games don't go away cuz man I really like playing them. Yeah. Really love them, but their yeah. business model sucks. Yeah. Right. It's got to change. And it it may need to get worse before it gets better. You may need to see these things completely die off and then someone with money yeah. yeah, and someone says, "You know what? A someone lot of with- <laughs> Someone with an iPad Pro <laughs> comes back and saves the industry. Right, right. Like, man, Halo Seven would look great on this, you know. <laughs> and they're like, "Wait a minute, what am I doing with my money? Real estate? Yeah, yeah. That's boring. Let's make a game." Yeah. So, like, one thing that you were touching about is really interesting. Like, it kind of ties back to the beginning of the conversation about branding yourself as an individual. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like the great thing about mobile is that instant feedback loop that you get, right? So, like, right. these mobile companies are making money on the daily, which means they get feedback on the daily, which means they can pivot at any time or at any notice to fix whatever problem that the game might have mm-hmm. versus a AAA game that is sitting on their idea that kind of sits on, you know, whatever they had, like, that they thought was uh, relevant three years ago. Uh, three years come... Uh, and, and come by and it's not a hit anymore for, for some reason, right? They don't mm-hmm. know why. The times have changed. Tastes have changed. Like, if you were to say something to them to help them at least realize this problem or take care of themselves, because we're kind of trying to reach at the individual basis, like, mm-hmm. get people to wake up in a way. Like, start. I think everyone kind of knows this is happening. But it's more like waiting to see what's going to happen. Right. So if they can wake up tomorrow, what can they do about it? Man, that's it's a, yeah, a big a, question. It's a huge question. Now everyone is like quiet and like, yeah. Okay, yeah, this is, I Kurt is this. about to unload some shit right now. Yeah, it's like, God, I don't know. I just sculpt monsters occasionally. <laughs> um, but they're, I, that's it. Like, just pick up your wake-up pen and do something about it. Yeah, well, okay, so like on an individual basis, like kind of going back to, and maybe this doesn't answer the question totally, but like one thought that it, it kind of, brought to mind was like what I was saying earlier with the cliche of just get your work out there. And then how I was like, you know, there was a lot of poking around in the dark trying to find what worked, right? Like what people, what people responded to and also what I enjoyed doing. Um, there's a lot of upfront work that you need to do to get to that point, obviously. And then you can start to close the curtains a bit more with confidence. Like, okay, I know what I'm doing and I know what people are liking. And then you still are reacting to things in a way one thing that mobile is doing is that I'm still getting used to and comfortable with is showing the game so early yeah. 
to to different markets, not the main gigantic market, but little regions here and there, and then taking that feedback and also having like monthly playtests where we bring people in. I'm like, this sucks as an artist. This is not done, and people don't, don't get well. It. Yeah, yeah, totally. I want to cover everything up. Like this isn't representative at all. You know, <laughs> one thing that the the developers too like kind of pass on to to the art team and myself is like. But look at how much fun people are having. And what yeah. we're making is a game. We're not making an art piece. Sure, it needs right. to look really good, but they're already responding. That's the big thing. You know, maybe we're seeing a little bit of it now. I mean, like this Star Wars Battlefront beta was launched early. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they're starting to get an idea. Like, if people play this thing earlier on, we get more feedback and we know what they're going to like in three years. Yeah. You know, like we'll have a better idea and we can be more reactionary to it. With art tools especially... It's getting that way where we could pivot and we can change where early on it was like I was saying, it's month long endeavor. You know, once you get to a certain point, like my analogy early on, because like developers that I worked for, like my, my first studio, I'd finish the character and they're like, ah, what if he didn't have that belt going across his chest? I'm like, you're that's a redo. Like, yeah. that's so much work. Right. Yeah. And the analogy I used was like, I just baked cookies and now you're telling me you don't want chocolate chips. You want oatmeal, but you want it to look like I didn't pull the chocolate chips out. You know, I'm like, I can't put it back in the oven, unbake and pull it back out. Like, but now it's getting to the point where we can do that and it's getting faster. So maybe it's not so much that AAA, I mean, like I'm, what I'm saying is like the tools are there for AAA, I think in a lot of ways to be that flexible, Mm -hmm. but the business model and the way things are developed is not. And that's what I think needs to be borrowed. Going into mobile, my big fear was like, is this going to be like freshwater trying to blend with saltwater? You know, like you have these people that are used to one, two month development times and then it's out the door and it's done. And then they polish it where they're hiring teams of people that are like, you know, in three years we might show something. You know, we might show some at E3 or whatever, and we'll have a big booth and we'll, you know, move forward with a plan that's really concrete. Nothing is really concrete with mobile. Like, it's flexible, and that's what's really kind of daunting and scary. Exciting at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's new, and it's and it's really progressive, right? Like, it's like, yeah, why does it need to be so concrete? I mean, sure, it's good to have a plan and everything, and we're sticking to it, and, and nothing's really changed in that sense, but... Like there's a hundred ways to make this. And if we get bad feedback, which we have, like we have gotten like good feedback in a way where we know what's not working and we've made adjustments. And so now the game is actually getting better than if we built this thing in a bubble for three years and then, and then, you know, kind of like, Oh, shucks, kick the dirt after three years. Like, Oh, well, no one liked it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bye guys. Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Thanks everybody. It was a good, it was a good run. Yeah. Like, the mentality is more like here's the dartboard we're gonna keep throwing darts at it until something really sticks and people like it yeah instead of instead of one-shotting it like triple a which is now looking back like that's way more terrifying right you know it's way scary yeah so many risks all right um mr papstein you've been with us for over an hour and we definitely want to thank you very, very much for your insight and for your honesty. 
Uh, usually at this point in the podcast, especially when we have guests, we like to give you, you know, some time to just shout out or plug whatever you're working on or whatever you want to tell the audience, maybe how to contact you, your portfolio site, whatever you want. The floor is yours. And after that, we're going to say goodnight. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really great being on the show. Like, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. Like, honestly, like, it is a really cool thing. So, um, as far as getting in touch with me, I think the easiest way is my website, artofkurt.com. Um, I'm trying to push more into the collectibles realm. So, this actually, this coming week or so, like, I should have some things up for sale, like resin nice. kits and trying to get into like one six figurines. That's that's the thing I mentioned earlier that like it's my own fault that it's not done yet because yeah. I'm being kind of a slow perfectionist with it and I need to just finish things. <laughs> but that's that's where I'm at right now and like that's the best place to to find me and it's got links to all the other the all the other outlets that I randomly drop things on. Fantastic. Man. I mean it's, it was great having you on. Great info that you just dropped on us. We're gonna cherish it. We're gonna worship it. We're gonna put it on our trophies. We're gonna talk about it all, all the time. So thank um, you very much, man. No, thank you. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like I could keep going for a while, but well, we'll just bring you back again. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. <laughs> wow, he totally did that Jedi mind trick on us. <laughs> yeah, see, <laughs> see how I, yeah, that's how I do it. That's proof that it works. <laughs> Alright guys, uh, thank you very much for checking out another episode of Game Dev Unchained, the podcast. We appreciate your continued support. If you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, go ahead and hit that like or subscribe button, depending on which platform you're listening to us on. (laughs) And that's it for me. I'm out. Brandon. See you guys. Kurt. Take it easy. Alright, good night guys.